Three, two, one. This is Chargers Unleashed Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dan Wolfenstein and Jake Hefner. Welcome to another edition of Chargers Unleashed. Jake Hefner and Dan Wolkenstein here with you from the LA Football Network. Today's show, of course, is being brought to you by UFC Vin Temecula, Golden Road Brewery, Charger Bolt Family, Tick Pick, and Bet Online. If this is your first time tuning into the show, you could, of course, uh, make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can find us, of course, wherever you choose to digest your weekly NFL podcast on Apple, iTunes, or Spotify. Dan Wolkenstein. Pleasure to see you as always, sir. Good to see you. Back in black, both of us. I love it. Uh, Welcome to Chargers Unleashed, boys and girls, children of all ages. We have a great show for you guys today. Go into all of the upcoming topics around OTA, some of the key press conferences that happened this week with Brandon Staley, with Justin Herbert, uh, Derwin James, wearing the new three on the jersey, looking a little lighter, uh, at least with the number, because it looks pretty beefy when it comes to his uh, physique. Uh, so tons of things to talk about today. Exciting news. Also got some crazy updates. Uh, you've seen some of it go live as of last week for Chargers Unleashed. You've got some epic things happening as soon as tomorrow, which is kind of crazy. Uh, but Jake, how are you, my friend? Another day, sir. Another <laughs> week. OTAs have officially kicked off. I still consider this the purgatory type season right before we really get into the nitty gritty of training camp. But it's like, you know, nobody's in pads right now, but we're looking for anything that we could possibly pull away from these press conferences, these practices, anything just to get some type of NFL content. And thankfully for Brandon Staley, especially yesterday, he made a couple of comments that we'll be talking about here very briefly on the show. But uh, other than that, sir, uh, you didn't sugarcoat it. That's pretty, I'm sure. (laughs) <laughs> Big day tomorrow for Chargers Unleashed. All of you will be um, witnesses to, to that very soon when, when that ends up coming on on YouTube. And then, of course, we've got uh, some other live events and some giveaways. Uh, if you haven't seen the um, event that is taking place on June 4th down in Pasadena at 5050 Slaters, we are very pleased to be partnering with the Die Hard Bolt Club. And we will have none other than the first round pick himself. At number 17 overall, Mr. Zion Johnson, and he will be doing an autograph session there. But Dan and I have already taken the liberties to put out there as far as a giveaway goes. So make sure that you follow the rules to join that we put up on Twitter to enter to win a signed Zion Johnson mini helmet. And then, of course, we will be broadcasting live on June 4th again down there with Die Hard Bolt Club. Very excited for that live show. I can only imagine the atmosphere that is going to be taking place. That's going to be wild. It's going to be fun. If you have not already decided to come join us in the festivities, come hang out with us in Pasadena. It's going to be a ton of fun. Die Hard Bolt Club, LAFB, Chargers Unleashed. We will all be there uh, having a great time. Get to go meet our number one uh, round draft pick in Zion Johnson. All right, Jake, before we get into today's topic, I think we should probably pay the bills. Pay the bills as usual, of course. So, uh, <laughs> as always, our partners over at Bet-, Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, UFC fights, and even for next year's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. Super easy to get started. So, head on over to the website today, use your mobile device to join, and use our 
promo code believe that's B L E A V to receive 50% off uh, your first, sorry, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts. So let's get this thing on the road. So OTAs are started. We have gotten a chance to listen to some of the press conferences, some pretty telling and some pretty pointed comments made by some of the, the key members of this organization Leader on offense, leader on defense, and the leader of the team, Brandon Staley, Justin Herbert, Derwin James. Let's start with Brandon Staley. Jake, there's a couple things that came out in some eyebrow raises with some of the, the key points that he made about a one oh, yeah. defensive lineman. But let's just kind of kick it off in general. Uh, Brandon Staley talked about kind of the idea of building something new this year. And it's not really kind of bringing back old stuff, but every year is an opportunity to build something new. Uh, talks about Khalil Mack, talked about Kenneth Murray, talked about Michael Davis, talked about Kyle Van Noy, and also talked about the depth of secondary and the defensive line. And when a question was asked to him about where Jerry Tillery, who, by the way, was absent in day one of OTAs, uh, fits in this team in the depth, uh, some pointed comments and some answers by a one Brandon Staley, Jake. Yes. Which one did you want me to answer first? Cause you put a lot out there. <laughs> Let's start with the Jerry Tillery stuff. Cause I think okay. that was probably what everyone kind of heard yeah. and perked up about first. So let's go there. I mean, all I got to say is, I mean, I, for Brandon Staley to come out and say this, um, it was kind of a mixed bag of emotions with me because a, Dan, we talked about it last week on the show when we were talking about the signing of Morgan Fox and started just doing a quick evaluation of the interior defensive lineman on this team. And we said it, there may be a familiar face left out come final cuts at the end of August. And sure enough, of course, with the tea leaves being thrown out there not too long ago that the Chargers were not picking up Jerry Tillery's fifth round option, we kind of knew that this was a possibility. But to hear Brandon Staley basically come out and say this, not only was it hopefully a wake-up call for Jerry Tillery, whether he's going to be in a Chargers uniform in the foreseeable future or if he's going to be on a different team, but I think it was the way that Brandon Staley was just so blunt, for lack of a better word, and how he presented things because he said he had his tiers of guys that are proven NFL football players and then guys that are in that group that are vying for a roster spot. So he put as like Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, they are proven football players. Derwin James is a proven football player. And then he just said, he's like, I would lump Jerry into the group of guys that are fighting for a roster spot this summer during, during training camp. So again, blunt comment from a head coach. Normally you don't hear something that like that. And especially for a guy who wasn't even at the first day of OTAs yesterday. So maybe that's a little bit telling within itself, but uh, I got to say, Dan, not trying to take a shot at anything personally towards Joe Tiller here, but I loved how Brandon Staley went about this because this is no joke when you don't have a fifth year option and look at all the new faces that you've just added to the interior defensive line. Hell, it's just like, it should be, bells should be going off in your head 
Like, I'm an open to competition right now. This is no joke. And Brandon Staley saying, not putting any question marks out there about what the agenda is. He knows exactly what he's going into coming with this offseason for all of his position groups. So it may have been blunt, probably opened up a lot of people's eyes, but I kind of liked it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned a little bit, but like Brandon Staley talked about the excitement around like the improved defensive line as a whole. It talks about Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, Otito, Khalil Mack as well. And the ability to kind of have some of those proven established players, but then the rest kind of lumped in that, like needing to earn a role, prove themselves, establish a role. And for Jerry Tillery, first round draft pick to now be lumped in the, you need to earn your role establish and prove yourself that's a far cry from i think it was just last year where during the offseason they were saying he was one of those veterans who didn't necessarily need to prove as much and now we're talking we had it on the last episode jake like there are some players who quite possibly could miss the roster which is crazy to think and insane do i think tilly's gonna be that guy I don't think he is, but like given the comments and the bluntness and how pointed Baron Staley was, you can't be so sure. Um, Staley talks about Khalil Mack, talks about how he's in great shape, a uh, ton of confidence, phasing him in the right way. I know he's still coming back from the foot injury. Uh, mentioned he could still go full speed, but he wants to kind of bring him in slowly. He should be ready to go. Uh, loves kind of the, the depth experience and the bl- blend of youth and veteran players on this defense or on the team in general thinks it's a kind of a good mix. Uh, did you hear what he mentioned about Michael Davis and where he fits in the secondary? I did hear a few of those comments. Yes. So when asked about Michael Davis, Brandon Staley mentioned that he sees him kind of right in the middle of things. And he mentioned like specifically on defense and the kicking game, they wanted to bring in competition and have as many good guys as possible to kind of bring out the best, figure out who is going to fit in. He mentioned Michael Davis in that group. But again, it sounds like Michael Davis is kind of in that needs to prove it group. He didn't say it specifically, but it kind of sounds like that. And he kind of needs to win his spot. Not necessarily win a a roster spot, but win whether he's CB2, 3, 4, whatever. Um, Also mentioned Kenneth Murray. Apparently, Jake, I know he had his injury this offseason, which was a lot of question marks there. But in short... Staley said that he should be full speed by training camp and he's close to being able to put weight on it soon and rehab's going well and he should be good to go. Uh, any other takeaways that you had on the Brandon Staley press conference? No, which ones would you like me to address? Because again, <laughs> he just vomited out three additional comments. I'm like, okay, well, do we want to elaborate on this? What do we want to do? We can. Again, there's a lot that came from this press conference. So I don't know how deep or how wide you want to get into this. So let's talk about the let's talk about the Michael Davis one for a second, because I think that that has been a subject that has been a talk amongst a lot of people, even before the draft started, especially when you started hearing the comments from Daniel Popper that the Chargers may not be that high on him. Daniel Popper went out and said that on the uh, NFL Stock Exchange podcast just weeks before the draft. And we were all expecting possibility. The, the possibility started as far as 
whichever corners was, was going to be there, that that might be a possibility that the Chargers go. The Trent McDuffie's of the world, he put that in his mock draft as far as Popper goes on that show, as far as what he could see the Chargers doing. So then all of a sudden the conversation came about a first round corner. And Michael Davis, for, for his standpoint, yes, he got paid last offseason, got a contract extension, didn't have the the best year that you would have wanted for someone coming off of a contract like that. And when you see the likes of JC Jackson added to this team, when you see the investment that they put in selecting Asante Samuel Jr. in the second round of last year's draft, going out and getting Bryce Callahan after the draft, also selecting Jasir Taylor, Deion Leonard in the draft, JT Woods, even from a secondary perspective as a whole. I mean, Brandon Staley has made it a focus on defense that we will not be last in the league in third down defense anymore. <laughs> and if that wasn't a subtle shot across the bow, I think that was directly aimed to the secondary play, not just Michael Davis, but the entire secondary included to say, hey, this is what we're going to be about. And there's going to be roster spots that are going to be challenged. And who wants it more, essentially? So there's a couple of things that Michael Davis has working for me here. Number one, from a contract standpoint, I think that he's going to remain with this team. I don't think that the Chargers would eat that much dead cap money. And besides the fact that his physical traits, I think is something that the Chargers really value, which is also going to help him. And as far as, I don't, long story short, I don't see anybody unseating him in his role with where he is for this team right now. Again, you're not... What is his role on the team? Well, I mean, you 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 still keep him at, at best. His ceiling is around that CB2, CB3. Dan, I know you mentioned the whole CB4 as far as conversations goes, but those, those physical attributes are what's going to carry. Because if Brandon Staley wants to start having his DBs be on an island, a la Jace, what JC Jackson and his expectations for what he wants him to bring to this unit, again... The object, the object here that Brandon Staley has talked about is he wants his guys to be multiple. You can be multiple with a guy like Asante Samuel Jr. You can be multiple with a guy like Bryce Callahan. And obviously, with however you're going to be moving the chess piece around that is Derwin James, what's that secondary going to look like with Nas and now JT Woods in the mix in there as well? So I think the, the whole aspect here is for them to be versatile. And hopefully with the additions that they have made, not just in the secondary, but with the pass rush that you should be getting on the quarterback as well, should end up elevating the play of Michael Davis as well as the secondary as a whole. Yeah, I, the, the secondary is going to be fascinating. And Stanley talked about like how excited he was. We'll get into what Derwin had talked about this as well. But I think that the volume of depth that the secondary has, I think is going to kind of you, know, you heard like the iron sharpening iron. Like I think the competition will bode well for this defense and will bode well for probably two positions more than any. And it's probably the interdefensive line and it's probably the secondary. And, and again, we're, we're lumping secondary all together because there's a bunch of guys there. Um, one of which new Bryce Callahan. Brandon Stanley talked about him a little bit. Noted he's one of the best slot corners in the NFL. Loves his versatility, his toughness, playmaking obviously likes the experience of him being in the system. And the one thing that I found kind of interesting was he allows the team to not be forced to play Asante Samuel Jr. in the slot. And typically, you know, we saw him in college. He was great on the outside. People were wondering, oh, maybe because of his size, he has to stay inside. But we saw in the NFL, like, he actually is pretty damn good on the outside, too. 
and allowing you to have your best players in whatever packages you need. Having Bryce Callahan allows you to do whatever you want with Asante Samuel and not need him in the slot because if we're being honest, aside from Asante Samuel Jr. in the slot last year, who else was a guy you were feeling good about? Feeling good about? I'll I'll reserve my right not to answer that question. <laughs> Fair. Um, a couple of things I noted. Uh, he did have a comment about Kyle Van Noy. Mentioned how much he loves kind of his presence, playmaking abilities, uh, championship pedigrees, his instincts, and uh, you know more or less just his impact that he's had on previous defenses he's been a part of, and how good that team has been uh, with him on it. Uh, Mentioned Morgan Fox's toughness, pass rushing, versatility. And then probably the last thing that I think was uh, of note in the Staley conference was when he started getting into kind of a question around the right tackle spot. And he mentioned kind of Storm Norton, Trey Pipkins playing winning football, quote unquote, for them last year. And then he kind of added the depth options of like Matt Filer and some of the other guys that were drafted who can also play tackle, who have experience doing it. Um, but he also kind of saw it as like a, an open Duke out possibility where they're going to kind of all fight for roster spots, fight for positions. But he mentioned Jake that he expects storm and Trey to improve upon their strong performances last year and noted the winning football they were a part of. Now I know some of this is coaching talk. And if we're being honest, like I do think that Trey Pipkins improved now, there are just some disclaimers there. Uh, I don't know if I can say the same thing about Storm Norton, but what did you kind of take of all of those kind of right tackle, depth, Storm, Trey Pipkin seemed to be in the driver's seat, maybe? I alluded to it last week, Dan. Are the Chargers committed to going into the 2022 NFL season? with either Matt Filer, Trey Pipkins, or Storm Norton at the right tackle spot? I think the answer is yes, right? The, the answer seemingly means yes. <laughs> now, that doesn't mean that they're not going to, that they won't sign anybody between now and then. But, you know, last week with them adding Zach Bailey, you just figured outside of Zach Bailey, Bailey and the other two offensive linemen that they pursued, they weren't anybody that was going to challenge for the starting right tackle spot. Mm-hmm. So, the belief in that as general in general is merely that that was just a depth piece. And so are the chargers committed by not addressing the position in the draft, not, not addressing the position at right tackle. Have they made their decision as far as what their starting five is going to look like come 2020 or some, sorry, come September. And who knows, dude, but it's it's exactly what we thought it was going to be. Uh, I mean, after seeing the fallout from the draft and no other veteran right tackle come in, it will either be Filer, it'll be Trey Pipkins, it'll be Storm Norton. Now, I've said if you wanted to go with the safest and smartest option based off of proven productivity over a long uh, over a period of time, that's Matt Filer. I don't like that because I want continuity for Justin Herbert. And I think Matt Filer played fantastic at left guard last year. But if you're giving any vote of confidence right now to any of the other two guys in Trey Pipkin, Storm Norton, the, <laughs> the, sentence, the sentence that they played quality football 
for us last year. I think that's, you know, a nice coaching term. Trey had his better moments than Storm Norton did, that's for sure, even though Storm had a much bigger sample size to assess from the 2021 season. But still, let's just say for sake of argument, Dan, that they're going to give Trey Pipkins one last shot. Trey Pipkins, one of our guys, is entering a quote-unquote make-or-break season. And what a vote of confidence, if indeed this is, from the coaching staff, if indeed that is the plan. Now, you are free to disagree with that assessment all you want, and I will probably agree with every single reason that anybody has out there. And then there are others, Dan, that, like Dan Wolkenstein, that choose to be more optimistic side of <laughs> side of things, that think it could be a great opportunity, but we just don't know don't because know. the sample size for Trey Pipkins and in those circumstances in those games last year, while great, we're still just those games. Do you expect Trey Pipkins to be your right tackle for 17 games this season? Imagine, Jake, imagine Chargers fans, week one, Chargers versus Raiders, Max Crosby and Storm Norton is your starting right tackle. Like, oh, gives me nightmares thinking about it. And not just because, not because I think Storm Norton's going to be terrible, but just the last time we saw that, it was a literal turnstile. That's one reason right now that I have to believe that we haven't even started training camp yet. And that would be one of the first reasons of why I said that Storm Norton should have an uphill battle to be this, this team's starting right tackle. It's just because the last game of last, of last season ended so horribly for Storm Norton, and now you literally have to go up against a pass rush that not only includes the guy who embarrassed you, in the fourth quarter of last year, but now you add a guy like Chandler Jones into that pass rush as well. I just can't see them saying, okay, we're going to open up training camp with storm as our guy moving forward. But I definitely still believe Staley from the standpoint of this could totally be an open competition. I agree. But, but to your point, Dan, imagining chargers fans and <laughs> hearing that. Oh man. <laughs> That that won't do any, but that will not do anything to release stress from Chargers fans anywhere. No, not at all. I, I will say so. A couple last things on the right tackle topic. Um, I think it was Matt Money Smith who recently had uh, mentioned. I think it was to Chris Harry, uh, Chargers Weekly, how uh, you want to keep a strength a strength. And 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 I'm paraphrasing here, but Matt Money Smith basically said it's okay if you have one position, if you have four of the five positions filled and are very good and the only open slot you really have to worry about is your right tackle like you can scheme around that whether it's chipping whether it's having someone like a tight end or running back or whatever to kind of help with that and it's much easier to fix that than it is to have like an interior presence that gets bull rushed and you can't do anything about it um so there's that and then i think the second part for me that i think is probably the more important thing is and you kind of alluded to it is I don't want to take away a strength of this team. And last year, the left side of the offensive line was a strength. I don't believe you want to lessen a strength to improve upon a weakness. I don't think that's the path forward. I think you want to highlight your strengths and either improve or hide your weaknesses. And so that's why I lean towards keeping the left the same and figuring out the right side. Um, Jake, moving forward, we talked about 
Brandon Staley, he had a lot to say. Uh, Justin Herbert, also, Jake, had some fun things to say. Uh, before we even get into what he said, let's talk about how he looked. Jake, this guy's taking some protein shakes, maybe some avocado ice cream. I'm not sure what he's doing. But apparently, according to Justin Herbert himself, weighing 245. Pat McAfee just went off on this, just <laughs> talking about how jacked Justin Herbert looked. 6'6", 245. Jake, for reference, Cam Newton, 6'5", 245. Big Ben, quote unquote, Big Ben, 6'5", 240. Holy hell. Shout out to Jonathan Brooks. Justin Herbert is looking swole, but it was kind of fun to hear them ask him about it. And he said, look, at the end of the day, I just want to throw a football well. And I don't necessarily think that matters that much, but for someone of his size athletically to be that big and imposing, like I was not expecting to see 245. Look, (laughs) first off, Justin Herbert, let's remember here is only 24 years of age. There's no way that six years from now he's going to be able to be weighing 245 pounds because it won't look the same as it looks <laughs> on him right now because he carries it really, really well. So if he can magically take some Tom, Tom Brady-looking formula and still hover around that, but I highly doubt he's going to weigh 245 pounds six years from now. But at, <laughs> at his age, right now, 24 years old, he looks jacked, man. Jacked. Yeah, did you did you catch the uh, the response he had about taking his wide receivers to Hawaii? I did not catch that one. Oh, it was great. A reporter asked the question about, um, you know, are you going to take your receivers to Hawaii for training or to, to get together? And he, he replied back with, uh, well, the grass works great here. <laughs> and he said, but if Keenan really needs that, we can make it happen. But grass works pretty well here was the quote. Uh, the kid's all about football. I kind of love it. It's a right. Um, it's the perfect response. <laughs> and then I guess the two other things that he mentioned that were of note, and then we'll get to Jacob, anything else that you saw from him. Um, he kind of mentioned about the continuity, uh, about like how the, where the team is now and how excited he is to have kind of another year in the same system and being able to be kind of quote unquote miles ahead of where they were a year ago. Uh, it's kind of nice. What is it, Jake? Like, is it six years before now that he had a new offensive scheme every year? Six years going all the way back to high school <laughs> that he had a different either coordinator scheme, complement of players, whatever you want to call it. But there was just change circul- circulating around Justin Herbert for the better part of six years. And this is the first time since then in terms of coaching that he's actually had some continuity. It's it's wild, and and you see how good he has been his rookie year, and then following it up with even better second year for sophomore. Like, the sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, he talks about managing team expectations, kind of just having to kind of focus on getting better. You know how to react, preparation, film, weight room, which clearly he's taken to heart. Uh, and then also kind of got excited about his new tight end, Gerald Everett. Mentioned how athletic he is. Loves the idea that he is able to beat man coverage. Is able to get open and talked about kind of his his smarts on the field and kind of the ability to get yards after the catch from multiple positions. And he kind of highlighted like his ability to do like jet sweeps and kind of be everywhere on the line, which if we're being frank, Jake, the Chargers have not had that in a tight end in quite some time. I mean, even Antonio Gates, who as great as Antonio Gates was, Hall of Fame career, athletically, 
I don't you're think never going to see Antonio Gates do a jet sweep. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, look, I, I think uh, Justin Herbert, as much as we talked about the Chargers not adding speed, quote-unquote, to their offense, they, I think, still added talent. And they did add a little bit of speed in John Rick Carter. We'll talk about that another day. So he's excited about his new tight end. Um, any other kind of key talking points you got away from, from Justin Herbert? And just kind of just to, to elaborate on, you know, the continuity. And when Haley Elwood was asking him just as far as like, you know, how, do, how what's the transition been like between last year and this year? Where do you feel like you're at? And just that he was, he was blatant and just saying like, you know, last year at the beginning of last year with, the, with all the changes that happened going from the Anthony Lynn coaching unit to the Brandon Staley coaching unit. And he used the terms like, I was kind of feeling like I was drowning. If, if drowning for Justin Herbert <laughs> puts up the numbers that he put up last year in his sophomore season, I can't wait to see what continuity Herbert is able to bring to this team. I mean, that was just a shock to me, but it's just, it's probably nothing that he's ever said like that publicly because he never said it, um, you know, coming into training camp, obviously the expectations for Justin Herbert in 2020 when the season started were not nearly what they're at now, but still just to feel that way as a quarterback and then to see all of the transition that he's he's gone through over the last six years. Internally, this is probably what he's felt. And just in the first moment that he's able to take a fre- breath of fresh air and say, okay, I, I don't have to learn anything new this year. I'm sure it's just going to be a huge benefit for him. Yeah, and it is funny because I think you heard Brandon Staley talk about it when he came into it, like how how smart Justin Herbert is and how much he likes to be challenged. And so for for someone to actually come out and say, like, I felt like I was drowning, and for someone to be able to make Justin Herbert feel like he was drowning tells you how much Brandon Staley is, is bringing to him and how much is on Justin Herbert's plate, but also how much he's able to actually ingest like, you said it. If that's what drowning looks like, like, sign me up. Like, that, you, yeah. you can drown every year if you're going to look like an MVP How many candidate. teams will take a drowning Justin Herbert on their squad year in and year out with those type of numbers? No, it, it's pretty wild. Uh, so exciting things to come for sure when it comes to Justin Herbert this year. Uh, last one, Jake. Durbin James had a press conference this week. Uh, talked about a few things. Talked about kind of the secondary depth, his enamoration for JT Woods. Uh, excitement to having more kind of skilled players around him and then kind of uh, some interesting words about Nas and Asante and kind of the comfortability he has with them. Um, any other topics you want to kind of add to the table before we kind of dive into those? Not off the top of my head. Let's get into Derwin's. All right. So Derwin James uh, talked about the secondary depth in his press conference. And it was actually interesting because I think this is the first time I'd hear him say this, but he mentioned that the secondary depth was very strong this year, Jake, and mentioned that they have a ton of depth, a lot of guys. He was talking about like having to break down the huddle with the secondary and kind of take it a while um, and kind of alluding to what Staley has talked about. He would like to see as many DBs as you got uh, is going to help this team. So loves the secondary depth and then kind of was talking about JT was specifically when asked about his impressions of him. Loves him, talks about him as kind of a rangy big guy, uh, excited to get to work with him. I think he mentioned it was him and Khalil Mack that he wanted to kind of get up to speed as quickly as yep. possible with the defense. Yeah, it just, it, I mean, what what more can be said about Derwin James, honestly, just as far as his uh, approach to this? Um, it's, it, 
it is the opposite of Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that when you were talking about the whole mentoring thing. I'm like, isn't this refreshing to hear a player talk about just right off the bat, not even have to sugarcoat it in which in every which way? I mean, now granted, nobody's coming in to take Derwin James' job as it could be for for quarterbacks in a different for a different team, but regardless of that, to take that type of approach for even a young guy like JT Woods or even a veteran guy like Khalil Mack. I mean, you heard about how Brandon Staley wanted to bring him along slowly, make sure that he can grip the system the way that he wants to do it in his time and in the right type of way. And then to hear Derwin like that talk about guys like, you know, lauding JC Jackson to like come join the team. And then for guys like new new additions like Khalil Mack is like, I want to do everything that I can to help that guy. It's it's just the type of leader that, that he has been to this locker room since he was drafted in 2018 and has just taken, taken the stick and run with it, essentially. And this goes more into the evaluation that I was talking about weeks ago. When you look at all the pieces that this team put around Justin Herbert to succeed in 2021, look at what they're now doing for Derwin James in 2022. A complete overhaul, essentially, of the entire defense, not just the secondary, any piece, as Brandon Staley said in his press conference, he wants this team to be a team defense because you better believe that the interior uh, defensive line, the outside pass rush, is going to reflect on what the secondary can do. They want to put Derwin James in the best positions to succeed. So why wouldn't he be excited about all these additions coming in? It, it, it's pretty remarkable, and, and he kind of talks about it. Uh, he he was asked about kind of how excited he was to be able to kind of play more versatile given kind of the, the improvements and the increase of talent on this team. And, and he kind of, kind of was grinning ear to ear, whether it was star linebacker in the box, you know, back deep blitzing anything. He kind of was saying, and Brantley also alluded to it. Like he, he was so good last year and adding more talent around him is only going to make him that much better and shine brighter. Uh, And then, I did find this interesting. He had a kind of an off-season training thing with Nazir Adderley and Asante Samuel Jr. Training with them all off-season. And when talking kind of about the, the comfortability and kind of getting everyone up to speed, he called out those two specifically in terms of having familiarity with the scheme and kind of getting folks comfortable with it. And so I did like to hear that Nazir Adderley is in that same conversation. I We've heard Asante Samuel talk about how important and how excited he is to kind of have it all kind of clicking it with him mentally, not having to think as much. But if Nazir Adderley, I think, is also in that in that kind of category, because you and I talked about it, I think a lot of times like he was way more physical. I think he de- he had a better season last year, and I think it was very underrated. But sometimes it seemed like he was thinking, and sometimes it seemed like he wasn't able to finish. I think a lot of that has to do with thinking. If he can now be able to just go off instincts, that's Delaware Nazir Adderley. Like, that's what you want. And that's what Daniel Jeremiah talked about, having the best safety tandem in the league. If Derwin James doesn't just talk up everyone, and so if he's talking to Nazir Adderley and Asante Samuel Jr. in the same lens, that gets me excited for this year. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you talk about two guys kind of on polar opposites of where their careers are right now. Asante Samuel Jr. coming into his sophomore year. Nasir Adderley 
potentially playing his final season <laughs> with Make or break. Who knows? Um, and I just thought it was great from this because there was one reporter that actually retorted back to Derwin James' comments about that, thinking that what Derwin did was that he got together a bunch of DBs from all a variety of different teams. It's like, oh, so all you guys playing? It's like, no, 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 no. It was just me, Zant, <laughs> and and Nas out there playing. So that just goes to show you how he feels that the type of pieces that they are to this defense. But on top of that, it's just like, again, goes into his leadership about how he wants to help them be the best versions of themselves. It's going to be fun to see how often Nazir Adderley, JT Woods, and Derwin James on the field together. Talk about like an athletic ball hawking backfield. Like I think we're going to see it more times than you think, my friend. If, if, if all these moves that have been made to potentially put Derwin James in the best position to succeed. And then of course, to hear Derwin talk about it himself. So the plan's already been translated to him as far as what his role is going to be. Bring him back to to 2018 in his rookie season, where he was all over the field, essentially every place, but the interior of the defensive line, which I'm sure if you asked him right now, he'd probably say, he was like, Oh dude, I'll be playing D line this year. No problem. No problem. You want me to blitz? You want to play in the slot? You want to cover the tight end? You want to go too high? play outside court, whatever. He's going to do it. So the plan, I think, is already set in motion for this all revolving around Derwin James, the type of playmaker he is, how much he means to this defense, the chess piece that he is, being multiple. We're going to be saying that a lot over the next four four or five months. But this is what this offseason has built into. You saw these moves extended into the draft. And now just to hear Derwin talk about this, this is the plan, but this is just one aspect of the plan. This is not just solely for Derwin James. This is just one aspect of the plan that's ultimately going to help this team succeed. Jake, we're inching closer and closer to training camp, to the regular season. And I did find it fitting, and I was actually very grateful that as OTA started, it kind of seemed purposeful that they set the stage with the press conferences with the three essentially leaders of this team, the coach, the offensive leader, and the defensive leader, kind of setting the tone. And then any press conference we have afterwards, you would think should be kind of mirroring or echoing those same comments. Same three guys that just so happened to break ground on the new future training camp site in El Segundo. I wonder if there is any coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that looks awesome. I think they are saying that they're planning on having their training camps there for fans. So in just a few short years, we're going to be able to see that. And did you see like a huge like Justin Herbert like billboard picture on the side of it? And I think someone asked Justin about it. He's like, oh, it's pretty cool that I can like, you know, be on the side of a building. <laughs> like in perfect Justin Herbert response. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> um, all right. So that's going to do it for this episode. We talked about all of kind of the OTA press conferences, what's to come, some some health updates. We talked about some pointed conversations. Uh, Jake alluded to it. We talked about it. We have a special guest episode. We actually have two special guest episodes this week alone. Uh, so be on the lookout for those. Uh, Bull fam, can't wait. Um, again, partnering LAFB and Die Hard Bolt Club. Uh, huge partnership. We're super excited. Shout out to uh, Enrique, the entire Bolt Club. They're Die Hard Bolt Club. They are uh, amazing people, amazing organization. They do so much for the Chargers, for the fans, for the community. 
Um, and so we're excited to be able to partner with them to kind of bring out some you know, exclusive content, some giveaways, coverage, events, you name it. Jake, anything else we want to give or to tell uh, the great friends of Chargers Unleash before we get out of here today? I'll just say I'm excited for tomorrow. <laughs> I am That's... excited for tomorrow, and I'm just going to mic drop right there. Let's go. All right. For Jake Hefner, his backwards hat, slightly shaved beard. You can find him at Jake T. Hefner. And his side. You can find myself at Chargers Homer. Again, Chargers Unleashed. Feel free to like, subscribe. Find us anywhere you find your podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube, guys. Thank you so much. And we cannot wait until tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Chargers fans.